radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 59, recorded on Friday, January 28th from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we talk about the militia movement and how they played a key role in the violent terrorist attack on January 6th. But first, the headlines. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. So let's start with the most important headline that we can discuss today. The real news. The real news. Ukraine, don't care. Potential World War Three, don't care. Not in our headlines today. Let's talk M&Ms. The real controversy. Are M&Ms sexy enough for Tucker Carlson? <laughs> and the answer is no. He likes his M&Ms slutty. The sluttier, the better. So for those of you who don't know, M&Ms recently rebranded a bunch of their characters, including the green M&M, which was kind of known as the sexy M&M. I don't want to say that. Well, and it all boils down to her shoes, though. Well, so, like, okay, yeah. So, like, they don't, like, draw her, like, sexily, but all they do is just give her eyelashes, and they put her in high heels. She's got, like, big lips compared to the male m Oh, sure, okay. You know, I'll take that, too. So what horrible monstrosity did they turn the green m M&M into? Yeah, they changed her boots to tennis shoes. To match the others. And Tucker Carlson cannot achieve a full erection anymore, and he's very upset about it. Well, what what is going on right now? Like, did you hear the whole Minnie Mouse thing too? I don't yeah. know. If that's, is that real? Yeah, yeah. There's now Candace Owens is upset because a 30th anniversary like Euro or French Disney collaboration, like they have Minnie Mouse in a pantsuit and, and not in her out. little toddler dress that she normally wears. And I think she said like it was like the end of our society or something <laughs> like that. Well, it's Candace Owens. I mean, yeah. This is again. This is just the right wing wanting so bad to play in to culture wars they want you to focus on how they're going after our children and honestly i could have seen the same thing 10 years ago with sean hannity or bill o'reilly oh, totally talking about how m&ms are too sexy and they're trying to sell sex to our kids through candy oh i'm sure and now it's oh they're they're trying Not- to make them androgynous <laughs> and literally that's what tucker carlson said and that you wouldn't want to have a drink with any of them <laughs> fake inanimate that. candy people he doesn't want to have a drink with the green m&m anymore what is happening man keep in mind we talked about this before tucker carlson is the most watched cable <laughs> the news number correspondent. one cable news program in america yes and he's talking about Sexy how he M&Ms. can't get off to the M&M commercials anymore. This is so crazy. So I question, you know, are they, they'll, they're not going to bring back the melts in your mouth and not in your hands slogan, right? Because that's, <laughs> that's way too far. I mean, that's the future Fox News wants, man. <laughs> And also, I included a uh, article from February of last year where Eminem, Mars, Nestle, uh, and Hershey's were accused of uh, using child slavery. Oh yeah, to harvest their chocolate. No mention about that. No concern about child slavery. But as long as you keep drawing the green Eminem hot enough for Tucker, he doesn't care. I mean, and I will say, I, mean, I, I could be wrong. The whole thing's a cult, but I will say this type of 
the controversy didn't permeate as far as some of the other ones did. I mean, we talked about Dr. Seuss before. That one went like nationwide and went all over the place. You you, you talk about like just wokeism in general, and they you see like controversies of school boards and stuff going all over the nation. I think the immediate and and widespread mockery has helped kind of well, good. pat this one down. Nobody else wants to weigh in on the Eminem controversy. Well, because it's so weird. But you know, if you happen to find Eminem character porn on the internet anywhere, probably a good idea to send it to Tucker Carlson, see what he thinks, you know, send it to him on Twitter, send it to his email address, call in to his show and describe it to him. <laughs> you know, just help him out. Because he'll never be able to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> Let him know what he's going to be missing. So how about we do some real news? Now? All right, let's do some real news. So we went from fictional candy characters to fictional electors trying to overthrow an election. Well, kind of, actually. If you guys haven't actually heard, the U.S. Department of Justice is currently investigating Republicans who sent literal fake electors to cast electoral votes for Donald Trump. And that is across seven states. Including Wisconsin. That Trump lost. So seven states that he would have needed to flip in order to have won the presidency, which he did not in our recent fair and free election now and where some states have actually trying to weasel their way out of it by saying well we just put in some language saying that if trump did happen to win these are the electors that we would go towards well that's totally reasonable and not shady at all no but again i say some states and five of those seven states they also had to falsify a certification by the governor well and let's talk about that so at least in wisconsin at our own capital republicans actually met to create fraudulent documents and fraudulent certifications and sent them to the National Archive as electors saying Wisconsin electoral votes went for Donald Trump, not Joe Biden, declaring Donald Trump the winner. Fun fact, actually, recent documents um, obtained by State Senator Chris Larson shows that Congressman Scott Fitzgerald is actually collect or connected to this whole thing by reserving the room conveniently on the exact day and time when it happened. On the Capitol grounds, in the state Capitol grounds, yep. not the... Uh, not Washington. Uh, and also, I uh, hear Scott Fitzgerald is up for re-election. Uh, yeah, he is. This year. He's a piece of crap. Get rid of him. He's been uh, a horrible member of our state legislature for a long time, including being there for the most gerrymandered maps in the United States created in part with his assistance. Well, and he was also the one that on his first vote in Congress decertified the election results or voted to decertify the election results. So hopefully the fifth district of wisconsin will do the right thing and vote him out this year i can only hope but some good news at least is that recent updates show that in wisconsin two republicans who actually helped falsify those documents two of the fake electors correct have now received subpoenas from the committee investigating the january 6th attack to basically testify in front of congress about overthrowing the 2020 election and that includes the former chair of the wisconsin republican party so again i just want to make this clear we have a party who has been denying the 2020 election results, claiming fraud constantly. Meanwhile, they are literally committing <laughs> fraud to overthrow the election. I want to make that extremely clear. We have a party who is crying about conspiracy theories while literally overthrowing the election or trying to at least overthrow the election because they lost. In a wide-ranging conspiracy.
conspiracy. Like they're complaining about. The parties are never the same. If anyone ever tells you, oh, Republicans and Democrats are basically saying, no, they're not. They are 100% not. One party literally tried to overthrow democracy. And still is. Yeah, and is still ongoing and is now attacking voting rights. The Republican parties is so bad right now that you actually have political scientists and groups who measure how um, stable our democracy is in the United States scared because they don't know what's going to happen next with the Republican Party. And remember, a lot of the bills that are also going through these state legislatures and passing in a lot of instances are to make it easier for them to accomplish this exact thing in the future. I agree. So that it doesn't need to go through a governor so that the state legislatures in these Republican controlled state legislatures so that they can overturn the electors themselves without going, without having to falsify the certification. And we could have totally a great way of preventing from happening, but we actually don't have that because literally a third of our entire government, the Justice Department and the Supreme Court, are run by crazy people. And also two Democratic senators won't vote to go around the filibuster for this issue, even though there's a carve out in the filibuster for Supreme Court nominees, which we'll talk about in a minute, and federal judges too. And there was a carve out that they both voted for, which did not succeed in order to keep funding the government, Yep, but not for voting rights, which are 100% under attack right now. Yep. Won't do anything about it. And don't even care. So let's stay in Wisconsin and let's stay in the state legislature and talk about a bill that recently passed. All right, I'm, I'm good. I, I like action. I like things that happen in government. Tell me about it. The Wisconsin State Legislature passed a bill to lower the concealed carry age from 21 to 18. No! Now keep Bad in, way. Bad, bad government. <laughs> Stop it! Now keep in mind that anyone under 21 cannot legally purchase a firearm from a licensed gun dealer. Correct. So they would only be able to purchase their concealed carry firearms from the gray market or private sellers, which are generally not regulated at all. And also, along with that stipulation in the bill, it would also allow legal gun owners to have their weapon in their vehicle when dropping off or picking up their child from school, and that would include people who are going to high school and are 18. So your high school seniors, your dumb juniors, yep. that sort of thing, they would be allowed to have a loaded firearm in their car. Yep. Just think about all of the stupid people that you went to high school with, and if it would have been a good idea... If they had a gun! <laughs> for them to legally have a gun in their car during school like we don't have enough school shootings the way it is yep uh, and this would also allow anyone that has a concealed carry license from any other state to be legally armed in wisconsin i don't know what that means about texas in which you do not now need any sort of permit to concealed carry i guess you just wouldn't in wisconsin either i don't know the good news is this will 100 be vetoed by governor tony evers Again, highlighting how important this election is going to be as Evers is up for election this year. If he loses and we have a Republican governor, we will become the Florida of the Midwest. Oh, without a doubt. And why is that? Why is our state legislature able to push so many extreme bills? Well, because of our super gerrymandered state assembly. Because we are the most gerrymandered state in the country. 
country. And statistically, they cannot lose enough seats to lose control of the state legislature. No, not at all. Even though they are the minority in Wisconsin. I mean, as of right now, even as Democrats in the state, we are so worried about protecting the veto, as in like our state is so gerrymandered that we can actually supersede the governor's veto because right. the province will have two thirds of their the electors. super the super majority. Exactly. And they would be able to, yes, override just by gerrymandering alone. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they are the minority party in this country or in the state. And due to electoral map shenanigans, they were able to artificially manufacture themselves this comfortable majority yep. in the state legislature. Exactly. And the fact that our state Supreme Court is majority conservative means that they won't do anything about it. And the United States Supreme Court being or- conservative majority, they've already ruled that they will not do anything about it. Which is still, I, it's, it's insane to me. So again... I know a lot of our listenership is in the state of Wisconsin. It's where a lot of our focus is politically, obviously. It is so important. I don't care. I, I'm not a big fan of Tony Evers. I don't think Tony Evers is like the Joe Biden of Wisconsin. Are you serious? <laughs> like he came out today or not today, yesterday with a proposal to give 150 bucks to every Wisconsin resident with our budget surplus. And no one's happy about it. He's good. He's going to give us money and we're not happy about it. No one likes Tony Evers, but I'm still happily voting for him bet your ass we are and everybody should be because he's literally the only thing standing between us and complete chaos in wisconsin did you hear about how there's a new republican candidate for governor no i have not heard i it's gonna be rebecca cleafish we've talked about her you can see our rebecca clayfish episode that's going to be the republican nominee who uh who are you talking about so republican kevin nicholson who actually ran for u.s senate in 2018 way trumpier than than Rebecca Clayfish, and also apparently thinks Clayfish is as dumb as, I quote, a bag of hammers. And that's what we did talk about in the Clayfish, Rebecca Clayfish episode. I mean, he is how not- much the Scott Walker administration hated her. Right. I'd say, and he's not wrong either. She is very dumb. But now we have even crazier people who are going to try to push Clayfish to the right of where she is, which is pretty extreme already. The way it is, she was more right than Scott Walker. Oh, yeah. Big time. So make sure you get everyone to vote for tony evers he needs money and he support go help him out and you might actually be able to use a dropbox as we talked about in the last episode the judge that banned the use of dropboxes that, was that decision was overturned although we'll have to wait and see when it goes to the state supreme court which I'm sure it will be. Right, and who knows what they're going to even say, because God forbid, what our state Supreme Court is one of the most unpredictable things I've ever seen. So we'll finally move out of Wisconsin here, but we're going to stay in the court system. Let's talk about the big news that just broke about the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer has now officially announced his retirement after the current term ends in June. This comes from, what, months of arguing about how he should retire sooner? Yes, and him constantly saying he wasn't going to he was not and everyone (laughs) yelling like you saw what happened with ruth bader ginsburg what is wrong with you you're 83 years old you're not gonna live forever so apparently he saw the writing on the wall and decided yeah this is really bad and i'm going to retire so we can nominate someone for a long period of time right after we overturn roe v wade now just like last time mitch mcconnell will definitely try to block biden's appointments yeah i guarantee he will do everything to 
block whoever it is I mean, the, that Biden appoints. The good news is he can't do too much, which is nice, compared to before where he could literally filibuster the hell out of these appointments. But even then... Well, just refuse to even vote on him, which or, is exactly what he did yes. with Merrick Garland when they stole the Supreme Court seat. So, But also, unlike other times where they stole our Supreme Court seats, we have time on our side. Actually, good news is Biden already said that he plans on having a Supreme Court justice nominated in February. And then if things go relatively smooth, you'll actually see that person nominated in March. The other good news is that Breyer did say that he will only step down and officially retire until a a new Senate justice is actually confirmed. So if something stupid happens and we can't nominate and confirm somebody, he will go into cryogenic slumber, basically, and become the new RBG. (laughs) As of right now, there are several picks that Biden is looking at. He is sticking to his promise of nominating a black woman and right-wing media is going crazy. How could he possibly limit his search in that way. So I want to actually talk to you about this. What are your thoughts on Biden's strategy and Biden's approach to this? And then what are your thoughts on him being so upfront about it? I'm fine with it. Honestly, we looked this up before we were recording. Black women are approximately 13% of the population and they constitute only 5% of judges. So very much an underrepresented portion, underrepresented portion of the U.S. population. There are no black women there have been no black women ever on the supreme court nope this would be the first and to add insult to injury the only black man currently on the supreme court a crazy is person. clarence thomas Which so i think they're due a bad a bad bad person to represent that the black community like him and amy coney barrett can fight over who's least qualified no kidding i mean clarence thomas wins hands down <laughs> he's the worst he's judge. literally the worst so i don't have a problem with it the, this idea that there's only like one one person in in the country that's qualified and that you know Biden should turn over any every rock to try to find that one person is stupid and wrong. Well, there are many qualified people and in that circle of many qualified people there are many qualified black women. Yes. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. So I think one thing that makes me very angry with this is I mean one you know this is already it has to deal with racism. They wouldn't freak out about being qualified or finding, you know, unqualified people because they didn't when Trump was in office. Trump specifically wanted to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg with a conservative woman. He said that he held off the Amy Coney Barrett nomination instead of having it when the Brett Kavanaugh nomination was through. He said he was waiting on Amy Coney Barrett for replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He said that. No one complained. Well, and what makes me even angrier is that... So for Trump's federal judges, he has nominated, I think, more unqualified federal judges and not by my standards, but literally by, you know, the National Bar Associations and other legal groups standards than almost any other president in our entire country's history. So that's already one point against them where they have people who are unqualified to be in these courts thanks to them, but they're doing what they want because they're all crazy people. And as we talked about in a previous episode, also the lowest percentage of minority judges. Oh, 100%. Yes. But even more so. Let's talk about the Supreme Court, at least, right? Neil Gorsuch does not deserve and is not 
qualified to be on the Supreme Court. At least with Kavanaugh, you can say that at least there's some argument to be made that he can deserve to be there. He has some place that he's earned to be there. But he's still an absolute crazy person. Well, he shouldn't be there based on the fact that well, sure. he sexually assaulted uh, a woman. I mean, you're right, but I'm talking about strictly on qualifications. But yes, you are 100% correct. And number three, like you said, Amy Coney Barrett was only put there because she was a super far right wing woman who wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade. That is it. Both Gorsuch and um, Barrett should not be on the court because they do not deserve to be there. So the fact that these people want to talk about how dare Biden pick a black woman because they're going to be unqualified is nonsense. And even then, like you said, Jason, that's now also assuming that there are no black women who are qualified to be on the Supreme Court. Which is, of course, not true. There are multiple. Well, there's a lot. And we're going to talk about a couple right now. As of right now, Biden's looking at at least two main people. There's a whole list of things that you're looking at, but there are two key front runners. Number one, which is the biggest front runner right now, is Kentanji Brown Jackson. She is 51 years old and she is on the DC Court of Appeals. For those of you who don't know, the DC Court of Appeals is actually like the second most powerful court in the entire country next to the Supreme Court. It's the AAA. I mean, basically. Supreme Courts, the majors. Basically, if you get nominated and um, confirmed to the DC Court of Appeals, you are on immediately the shortlist to go to the Supreme Court. So recently, she was actually just nominated and confirmed to be on the DC Court of Appeals last year. She, I, I think it was like 53 to 47. I think that was like the final vote. She actually got a couple of Republicans on it, including Lindsey Graham of all people, which was weird, but fine. Before that, she was a public defender where she worked and helped multiple cases, especially people of color. And there was a lot of talk about how Biden was actually handpicking her already and grooming her for the SCOTUS. Don't say Biden and grooming. Good point. <laughs> Good point. And the main reason why is because when she was actually nominated for the DC Court of Appeals, Biden had a one-on-one meeting with her, which usually doesn't happen unless you're going for the Supreme Court. But because that she was actually being met with the president as well as many other electeds at the time, sounds like she's the clear frontrunner to go to the Supreme Court. There's also J. Michelle Childs, who is 55 years old out of South Carolina in their district court, and it was nominated for the DC Court of Appeals as well, but has not been confirmed yet. Um, fun fact about Michelle is that she is actually Jim Clyburn's pick. If you guys remember who Jim Clyburn is, he is a representative and the majority, well, yeah, now majority whip out of South Carolina. And well, the, Joe Biden was his pick for president. Well, so. and I was going to say, and Joe Biden has to thank Jim <laughs> Clyburn for giving him the presidency because he won the primary for him. So I'm not so sure if we should be sticking with Jim Clyburn's picks at this point. <laughs> But these are these both of these people are way too old. Come on. I want somebody who's 17 years old. They're uh, an intern for the NAACP. <laughs> They're thinking about going to law school. Uh, we should make them a Supreme Court justice. Guy, let's do it. We should look at their family history. No uh, health problems. We should do like Gattaca style genetic testing. Make sure we're going to get somebody that's going to be there for the next hundred years. <laughs> that's what I want. I mean, technically speaking, we should have term limits. But that's for another day. Only for Republican picks. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. So we'll keep an eye on this. We're expected for this to move very quickly. And you'll probably have some more news about this in about two weeks when Biden officially nominates probably one of these two women. I guarantee you uh, Republicans won't agree. Uh, me too. It could literally be Candace Owens and they would still disagree. Black! <laughs> What'd you say? Black! 
I'm only saying this because I can't say the other word I want to say. So last week, Jason, you had a story on our deck that we didn't get to. Yeah, that we didn't have time for. It was two weeks ago. We didn't do oh, good a point. show last good point. week. I'm sorry. Uh, we kind of ran out of time before scheduled recording time. And it was about our favorite podcaster. <laughs> the world's favorite podcaster. The world's favorite podcaster. Spotify's cash cow, Joe Rogan, where we talked about recently about off script, about how everybody hates Joe Rogan except for the millions of people who absolutely freaking love him and give him all the money in the entire world. And DMT dealers and everywhere. D- and DMT and like supplement dealers and crap. <laughs> Anabolic like steroid yeah. enthusiasts. For you guys who don't know who Joe Rogan is, congratulations. Um, you may remember him actually as the guy from Fear Factor and some guy who was just talking about UFC all day long. Now he runs the most popular podcast in mostly the entire world. And recently got a $100 million deal from Spotify to be exclusive on their platform. Now, the thing about Droger, which is a little interesting, he is liberal and progressive, kind of. To a certain extent. He's also anti-trans. Right. He's also an idiot. And he constantly has people come on and talk about misinformation and conspiracy theories all the time. He's had Alex Jones on multiple times. Yeah, he loves Alex Jones. He's a big ancient aliens guy. He will believe any conspiracy theory you want to peddle. He's there for it. I mean, we talked about before how with the 9-11 truthers, that um, Joe Rogan actually bought like 10 copies of like the 9-11 conspiracy theory when it first came out. He has argued with multiple people that the moon landing was fake. Oh, yeah. So anyway, you may have also seen him in the news about that one douchebag podcaster who refuses to get vaccinated and has been taking ivermectin and has been telling everyone to take ivermectin. Are we talking about Aaron Rodgers? Him too. He's a, he's in the same group. Screw Aaron Rodgers. I'm a <laughs> Packers fan. Screw Aaron Rodgers. I hope I hope this was his last year. Yeah, you won't he have to sucked in the playoffs. <laughs> he was terrible. Bring on the love era. I don't care if we're bad. Bring Playoffs. On the, bring the on one the love game. Era. Shut up. You shut up. At home in January that you lost while it was snowing. Number one seed, man. <laughs> Number one seed. Number one seed. That's only the second time that's happened to Aaron Rodgers. <sighs> Anyway, there's been a lot of controversy around Joe Rogan because of COVID misinformation. So much so that out of nowhere, unsung hero musician Neil Young has actually stepped in and filed formal complaints to Spotify over it. He basically said it's him or me. Either remove Joe Rogan's podcast or remove my music off of your platform due to Joe Rogan's medical misinformation. But guess what? Spotify chose Joe Rogan and said that they are going to be removing Neil Young's songs from their platform. Yep. Now, they've gotten a lot of complaints about that. Their stock price is down 15% since that announcement was made, and their customer support has been inundated with angry customers. I don't know, though. They spent $100 million on Joe Rogan. I don't think they're ready to to cut ties. They kept him through the Alex Jones crap. Are you serious? You think they're going to cut him over this stuff? No, he is their literal cash cow, man. The most popular podcast in the world. And again, it just goes to show how broken our society is when we have someone who is not an expert taking advice from conspiracy theorists. And we have to talk about the fact that he has an exclusive $100 million deal with Spotify. Capitalism, baby. Money is more important than the truth. Meanwhile, still thousands of people are dying from COVID. If you must get your medical information from the internet, may I suggest science-based medicine i like that website it's a good website as long as they're not talking about trans uh, people <laughs> yeah although they did re- 
fixed that. They fixed there, it. Yeah. yeah, it was like right after we talked about him it's the last true. time too. Yeah. I felt people were angry, man. Yeah, I was a little angry. Like we we pump the site and you know tell our five listeners to to go check it out, and then they immediately have like a positive review of an anti-trans propaganda. Yeah, book, it was really dumb. Which they've at least now taken down. So anyway, Joe Rogan sucks. He's really bad. If anyone if anyone ever tells you that they're a Joe Rogan fan, it's probably because they're a white guy who doesn't know what a personality is and is looking for a father figure in their lives. His show, I will say, I've never been that much of a Joe Rogan fan. I've never really listened to his podcast, but he was a decent interviewer back before he just took whatever any of his guests said, like 100%. All right. Literally, he was very interested in what his guests had to say and was an engaging interviewer. That's kind of where his popularity came from. He had a lot of different interests. He was a comedian, actor, martial artist, all this. So he had guests from all these different walks of life that he could talk intelligently with but once he got so big that he could indulge this like like you said alex jones crazy conspiracy fetish with the the old saying have an open mind but not so much that your brain falls out that's literally what joe rogan is. that's you know if you were in the same room with joe rogan you would have to step over the shrapnel that is everywhere from his mind being so very open and that's the problem and when guests try to correct him if it's against what he has as an established worldview like a guest recently tried to tell him that myocarditis is much more prevalent in people that have got covid versus yep. people that have gotten the vaccine he he pushed back against that and was like well that's not what i heard where what did you hear joe and from whom because it wasn't the facts that are out there from the medical community based on the evidence that we have oh you mean from pierre cory or any of the other crazy quacks that you have on your show well is that's that what, makes, what you heard from that's what makes me so angry is that he can get anybody because he's so big and he continues to get the craziest people on his podcast just to push the nonsense they do that's what makes me so angry he could have so many good conversations with actual medical professionals who know what the hell they're talking about and he refuses he gets all the crazy ones that already agree with his opinion he is basically just the descendant of joseph mercola of the the guy who wrote the things they don't want you to know book it's all that same nonsense and it's not worth your time so let's go to our last story joe biden said a naughty word he needs to put a dollar in the swear jar for those of you who haven't seen um joe biden actually put on a recent press conference where a fox news reporter started just being a dick actually about inflation and actually if you watch the video the guy totally looks like a douchebag fox news like you it's, could you could pin him out like it's peter Ducey. well sure well you could just like point like oh yeah that's the fox news reviewer the white guy with the douchey you know frat boy haircut and the very skinny gray suit and it was the press conference was over the press was filing out of the room and he basically just kept shouting questions about inflation yep and that's not what the press conference was about either and joe biden without realizing he was still on a hot mic (laughs) on a hot mic called him a stupid son of a bitch uh, and may I remind everyone, his dad is Steve Ducey, who is in host fact, of Fox and Friends, yep, and is I think legally a b- yeah, so I, I didn't that. say a lie. Didn't didn't uh, I don't know about his mom, but it was his dad who fits the category. Yeah, he. I mean, it's not what. 
It's not what you should want your president to say, honestly, but these are the same people that chant, let's go Brandon everywhere and love Donald Trump. They're like, oh, Joe Biden was mean personally to that reporter. And they all clutched their pearls until they broke. Donald Trump said the press was the enemy of the people. Well, he literally targeted people by name, like Colin Kaepernick saying, let's make sure they fire that son of a bitch. He literally said that, and people were like, yeah, it's fine. So, yeah. They're just I, liars, man. While not what I would prefer, not really that terrible. Like, no. he apparently the, that night called and didn't necessarily apologize, but uh, told Ducey that it was nothing personal, which, meh, I would have said, yeah, it is personal. I hate you. Uh, put your wife on the phone. I want to ask her about the bad choices she's made in life to end up where she is. <laughs> if you're going to go there, you might might as well go all the way but uh, i guess joe felt bad about it and he felt the need to call and, and try to make up that's adorable and they all lived happily ever after and everything went in america was fine <laughs> and we were all unified and speaking of unified let's talk about extremist pro-military groups huh let's move to our main segments that was really a pr- productive segment wasn't it it's hard to get any word in with this clown we're going to talk about the patriot slash militia movements as they are really primarily the people involved in the violent terrorist attack that occurred on January 6th and is, you know, kind of maintained its spot in the news as as a major headline. So I wanted to talk about who are these people? Are they really Antifa, Black Lives Matter operatives? Are they really FBI? What is the, the militia movement? Why are there all these different groups? And we're going to specifically talk about three of them, but first let's talk about some history now in looking through when these movements tend to spring up when they become popular seems pretty evident to me that it happens during periods where white americans or you know the people in charge the white land owning americans and i mean white like whatever we're considering white at the time so maybe not italians during some points probably not the irish during other points because race is a social construct after all but the people that have the most to lose when they feel that iron grip loosening on the country that's when the militias come out and i think it can be traced back to the formation of the kkk the ku klux klan following the civil war and reconstruction for those of you know who don't know what the kkk is yeah i felt the need you know maybe you've heard the initials you're not sure you thought it was three strikeouts <laughs> Whatever. So that's the first militia, I guess. The first American militia. We freed the slaves. Blacks were getting uh, citizenship and rights. Yeah, Yeah, we can't do that. Uh, We got to rise up against that. Also, the big resurgence of the KKK uh, came during the 1920s, during industrialization and the immigration boom. Because again, new group of people coming in, getting a piece of the pie that, you know, they think they control. And also, it followed the 1915 movie Birth of a Nation, uh, which was screened at the White House, by the way. Donald Trump was not our first explicitly racist president, certainly not because some of our presidents owned people. Then we had the Sovereign Citizen Movement and Posse Comitatus, which I have to be careful saying that word, in the 1970s, which really started pushing heavily into conspiracy theories, specifically involving anti-semitism the illuminati the bilderbergs the this jewish cabal cabal that controls the media and the banks uh, and the belief 
that the federal and state governments are illegitimate. And a lot of times you'll see them as controlled by those groups, with county sheriffs being the highest level of law enforcement. And that is still a common belief in a lot of these militias today, that there is no law higher than the county sheriff. Everything else is illegitimate. They kind of ignore laws as they see fit. The sovereign citizen thing is really crazy. They think that there's some kind of magic spell that they can do if they use the right capitalization and punctuation and use the right colored pen for certain things and file the right paperwork in the right way that they can become immune from taxation and any sort of legal issues they might have. Uh, They're famous for sometimes killing police officers during traffic stops for seemingly no reason because they uh, don't want to be put under the yoke of the system. Literally, it's if there's this one weird trick with a person, (laughs) they're sovereign citizens. There's also a heavy anti-United Nations. They're very anti-globalist. I would say so it's a very nationalist type of movement. Right. Uh, They're heavily anti-Marxist. Marxist, socialist, because those groups became the new boogeyman. You know, the the Soviet Union following World War II, which eventually led to the Cold War in the 80s. And Ronald Reagan, who was very anti-government as well, kind of fueled that. Sure, I can see that. I mean, I feel like just in general, though, it's probably also because those philosophies are just collectivist, where you have probably very radical, extreme individualist mindsets with these types of groups. And nationalists, you know, where they... Individualist and nationalist philosophies. They both love and hate the United States. It's kind of an odd duality that way. It's it's the best country in the entire world. But But anytime anything happens to them, they're willing to destroy the whole thing. Right. Another big moment that happened in 1978 published the Turner Diaries, a horrible racist novel which depicted a violent revolution and overthrow of the government followed by a race war. And this is been called the white supremacist Bible. Yes. It is huge in this militia movement. They see that the idea that they can rise up against the government and overthrow it. These really huge undertones of Christian nationalism that goes along with it. And white, if not white, outright white supremacy, because a lot of them will say, oh, I'm not a white supremacist. I don't believe any race is superior to another. Ask them if they're white separatists. If you believe that the races should live separately, a lot of them subscribe to that sentiment that, well, I don't feel the whites are better. I just think we should live on our own. That is a a big part of it. And the Turner Diaries is horrible. I mean, imagine if like Star Wars was written by like Nazis and less spacey stuff. I I mean, closer to if like Battlefield Earth was written by Nazis. But no one knows what that is, man. (laughs) I try to go for a relevant reference here. Imagine if like... Like the Mighty Ducks was written by Nazis. <laughs> so one of the biggest moments in the modern militia movement came in the 1990s. Uh, there were two events that really, really galvanized this community. And you can think of them, most of them were like the crazy preppers living out in homesteads by themselves, the Unabomber style. Yep. Well, we had Ruby Ridge, which was a family that they were specifically targeted by the FBI where the FBI was inve- 
investigating the Aryan Nation, which they were not like, they weren't big into the Aryan Nation. It wasn't like part of their identity, but they were occasional, I don't uh, like uh, part of that orbit. But the they were targeted by the FBI who bought two illegally modified shotguns, two sawed off shotguns from this guy. And I don't want to get too much into it, but basically uh, they he refused to show up in court and it ended up in a armed standoff with the ATF and the FBI and the marshals and it resulted in the death of his wife and his son yes this was seen as a gigantic overreach and a really mismanagement by the federal government attacking this like patriot family who just wanted to be left alone uh, and they were even uh, acquitted in the trial for the the weapons the shotguns uh, because it, they said it was entrapment by the FBI so not handled very well at all resulted in the unnecessary death of two unarmed people that is the biggest fear of these militia groups the government is going to come in force to try to take away your guns and put you in a concentration camp and to give you guys a little bit of context or maybe do a little bit of homework or something if you guys want to learn about what it's like to be in one of these types of groups or to be in this mindset of like that crazy prepper movement i highly 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 recommend the book um, Educated by Tara Westover where they actually talked about in it where their family actually knew the people and the family in the Ruby Ridge standoff and at the time they were told or the family was told including the author of this book Tara about how they were dying as patriots from these crazy government you know conspiracists who were trying to take over their land for no good reason and it, it's a very good deep dive into how these people think and then we also had very shortly after that and a lot of the same FBI personnel involved the Waco standoff in Texas with the Branch Davidians honestly I feel like that one's a little different in that there are a lot of credible allegations of child sexual abuse going on there I don't think that is one where they could have just let them be was Waco the one where they drove a tank through the house uh, they did drive an armored vehicle once it was on fire there's there's a lot of speculation as to how the fire started who started the fire was it started from tear grass grenades did the branch davidians light their own compound on fire because they were willing to die as martyrs for their cause which i think is where the actual evidence lies but yes there was a an armored vehicle that was driven through the compound while it was on fire okay but either way it was certainly mismanaged by the government and resulted in a lot a large loss of life now this is seen the first one uh, ruby ridge is seen as an attack on the right to bear arms waco is seen as an attack on freedom of religion you know just because this is a crazy cult and a guy who says he's jesus they kind of ignore the raping children part of it and all of those allegations but they basically say here's the government coming after these people because they didn't like their religious beliefs and that is a big part of their identity again as we said it's a very christian nationalist you cannot watch these people for five minutes without them praying or mentioning Jesus. It's it's a huge part of this entire movement. This movement really started to take steam around those times after after those two events um, where there was this huge anti-government sentiment and, you know, this thought that they have to do something as a response to these two atrocities that occurred against patriotic Americans. That mostly went underground uh, following the 
Oklahoma City bombing by Timothy McVeigh, who was a huge fan of the Turner Diaries. Of course. And was literally trying to spark that overthrow of the government that occurred in the Turner Diaries by blowing up the Oklahoma City Federal Building, which there was a daycare located in the front of the building, which is where the the bomb went off. So we had a lot of dead children. Wasn't a good look. The nation didn't see it as some kind of righteous vindication for Ruby Ridge and Waco. I was mostly seen as a domestic terrorist attack. Because it was. As it was. But that really pushed, that put a stop to this growing patriot movement and pushed them underground for quite some time. What made it spring back up again? What would be the huge government occurrence that would make these proud patriotic Americans decide that they've had enough I, I, got, they've been I got it. I got some guesses for oppressed you. Oppressed for too long. It's just too much. All right. I got it. 9-11. No. Damn. Um, the Patriot Act and the NSA. Ooh, good guess. Federal overreach for sure. Uh, no, they didn't care about that. Um, the imperialistic ways that Bush went into the Middle East. Blood for oil. Yeah. Uh, nope, nope, didn't care about that. Most of their kids were uh, getting killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. But okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, Which, by we, the way, Timothy McVeigh became disillusioned with the government while over in Iraq during the first desert storm. But we don't talk about that. Okay. Um, we elected a black guy as president. There you go. The presidency of Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> the number one thing that galvanized the current militia patriot movement 2008 election of Barack Obama. How dare we elect a black president? Because of course, right? Of course. So then we also had a lot of wins by these groups. You had the land disputes, which, by the way, with the Bureau of Land Management, those initials <laughs> stay the villain from from then until now for these people they didn't have to change their chance or get new signs they they the blm has always been the villain for quite a while when there was an issue with land usage this is public land being used for private gain without paying anything to the government which owns the land with the people right we all own public land but apparently if you're a patriot it's okay to use it for your private gain without paying anything for that. Cool. And that was with Clive and Bundy. Oh, yeah, the Bundys. In Nevada. And the federal government had actually taken possession of, I think, like 400 head of cattle from the Bundy Ranch, uh, which then was taken back at gunpoint (laughs) by these militia groups, including two of the ones we're going to talk about today, the Three Percenters and the Oath Keepers, and got away with it scot-free. No problems. Government did not do anything except try to fight this in court, and they lost those court battles ultimately. And also following that, there was another standoff, the Hammond Ranch in Oregon, which then precipitated the armed occupation by Ammon Bundy, Cliven's son, after it came out that Cliven was a huge racist and support for him kind of dried up. Uh, Then his son took over, Ammon Bundy, who then led an armed occupation of the Malher National Wildlife Refuge. And again, nothing happened. uh, There was a attempted traffic stop, which resulted in the death of one of the people 
people involved here where someone did try like getting into a shootout basically jumped out of the out of a moving car that was being followed by uh government officials and tried to pull a gun out of his coat and was shot there's unfortunately there's video of it everyone that was in the car was taking video clearly they told him to stop reaching stop reaching stop reaching stop reaching and then shot him it wasn't a uh stop freeze get on the ground pop 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 like you normally hear when it's an unarmed black person yeah it it was a pretty terrible thing and and could have been avoided but no charges filed again or at least none successfully filed again everyone was free to go including Ammon Bundy won all of his court cases in relation to this so this really emboldens the behavior of these groups they've won in armed conflicts with the federal government three separate times now and this is in 2015 we're getting into the candidacy of a certain presidential candidate who is uh gaining popularity around this time donald trump and his rhetoric fits perfectly with the militia beliefs this hyper nationalism hugging the flag like weirdly yes like sexually very kind of weird anti-liberal elites aka jews love for conspiracy theories persecution complex everyone is out to get me trump was the perfect candidate for these groups he is the avatar of the militia mindset yes literally and as we get into the lead up to january 6th the idea of a leftist government takeover that trump was pushing in his election lies is precisely what these groups have been fantasizing about and waiting for this is the civil war the second revolutionary war based on political ideology and defense of the constitution it's the constitution that's under attack joe and he basically set the stage for these things to play out yes he gave them what they were wanting forever and one thing i want to mention before we talk about these specific groups is how ironic as we talked about with Ruby Ridge, with Waco, even with the the shooting that I'll occurred, with the Bundys, yeah, right, and and uh, with that, with Ammon Bundy, the the guy that was in the other car, this is a group of people that is worried about violent government overreaction and a stripping of their civil rights from them and like state sanctioned killings just general overreach by the government right like they don't want the government to basically trample on their civil rights and to murder them but yet they hate black lives matter that's like their number one enemy And I thought, wow, that's crazy. They're worried about their American citizens. They have rights. The state can't come and push them around and murder them for no reason. You would think, am I talking about the militia movement? Am I talking about Black Lives Matter? It's hard to say. It's kind of the same thing. Except the race. And, uh, you know, one thing I found that uh, some of these groups actually believe the 14th Amendment is invalid. uh, (laughs) So that uh, descendants of slaves are not actually citizens. So that, that might be part of it. 
it. Uh, that they don't care about state-sanctioned violence uh, against black people because they're not actually American citizens. Because, of course, why not? So that, that may, be, may be part of it. So then uh, tell me a little bit about the groups themselves. So, I mean, the biggest one that we typically hear about is the Oath Keepers with January 6th. Yeah, when we're talking about January 6th, because uh, we just had, as we talked about in the last episode, these seditious conspiracy charges that were filed against the Oath Keepers founder, Stuart One-Eye Rhodes. He's uh, a pirate. And 10 other members uh, of the group. Constitutional pirate. Following, again, what was it? The violent terrorist attack on January 6th. Some recent news. Rhodes has been denied bail. Good. Partially due to testimony from his hopefully soon-to-be ex-wife, <laughs> Tasha Adams, that he has an elaborate escape tunnel system at the house he is currently renting. Renting? Yes, they don't, he doesn't even own the house. Oh, my God. Uh, the the person that owns the house is also an Oath Keeper. Uh, she was asked, of like, is the landlord okay with all the tunnels? And, and she said, yeah, she thinks uh, that he, he's fine with it. Uh, she's been, why do I say, hopefully soon to be ex-wife she has been trying to get a divorce uh for four years holy crap and has been very vocal about what an absolute horrible person Stuart rhodes is we'll link her twitter account in the show notes check it out if you want to know more information about him there's interviews with her son on there this guy just sucks uh he's a horrible horrible person there's more information about when he shot his eye out and that's kind of fun that's a very funny story Apparently, he wanted to send her to Japan to strip for money while she was pregnant. What? Yeah, yeah, there's all, there's, it's some fun stuff to take a look. So, from the Combating Terrorism Center at West Point, they wrote a very long report on the Oath Keepers and their role in the January 6th insurrection. Okay. I quote, on January 6th, 2021, 21 members of the Oath Keepers are alleged to have played a critical role in a wide-ranging conspiracy to storm the U.S. Capitol and disrupt the certification of the 2020 general election. The alleged role of Oath Keepers in the events of January 6th best exemplifies how the group's activities have varied and evolved from quasi-law enforcement operations to violent insurrection, domestic terrorism, while cloaking its activities in a patriotic veneer that supposedly seeks to guard the republic from unseen malign forces and that's about i think the best way to describe they consider themselves to be some kind of peacekeeping organization when in fact they're literally terrorists right they show up at like ferguson during the uh the the protests that happened there following a what else a killing of an unarmed black man by police and they say they were invited by police to be there police say that they which is so weird. They did not ever contact them and don't want their help. Well, it's so weird, man. Like, so you're telling me that the anti-government militia is saying that they're gladly to do work for the police state? They're police bootlickers up until the police push back on them, like we saw at the Capitol. Like they all they're they hide behind the police a hundred percent up until it becomes inconvenient for them. Then they want to kill the police. They say that in an interview with Stuart roads when talking about the police he claims that they have perhaps better training than the police because their group has so many ex-military people
people that, you know, whenever the police push back against them, they say, well, they're jealous. We, we're better trained sure. than the police are. Huh. Okay. They were founded in 2009. Their first meeting was held on the Lexington Battle Green outside of Boston, uh, the site of the first battle of the Revolutionary War. Of course it was. Because they want to have another Revolutionary War. That is the purpose of their organization. Rhodes presented his Declaration of Orders We Will Not Obey, which is the foundation of their Oath Keepers, and led a mass oath-swearing ceremony, along with other speakers who were there, mostly former military, and the main topic of conversation was talk of a new revolutionary war. They are a national organization. They have a board of directors. They have also state and local leadership handled by individual chapters. There's always, like, infighting and weird stuff with all of these groups, as you would expect. Well, and I was going to ask, like, do you know how many people that started out when they first were founded in 2000? At that meeting, the the one in the Lexington Battle Green, uh, I saw a couple pictures. It looked like there were probably a couple hundred people there. Couple hundred? Yep. Oh my God. And this all comes, again, these are formed from this Patriot militia group. Like, they were always online. Like, this is, you know, the internet is definitely a thing in in the early 2000s. They form all these internet groups and they talk to each other. And like I said, it was, everything was mostly underground and there weren't, like, formal groups as there had been in the 90s following everything that happened at Ruby Ridge and Waco until when was this founded? 2009. Well, what happened in 2008? We elected a black person. That's what galvanized these groups to come off of the internet and start gathering in these groups in person and formalizing their militias, quote unquote. Hmm. They are as we said in the last episode, they seek explicitly to recruit current and formally serving military, police, and first responders, so much so that non-serving members are referred to as associate members. So they're not even really considered full members of the Oath Keepers because they're not, they've never taken an oath. They're, they're not uh, current military police or first responders. Okay. Like I said, they were there, the standoff with the Bureau of Land Management, with Clive and Bundy. And following 2016, they became entangled with the politics of Donald Trump. And I think that's when Stuart Rhodes, as said by his ex, well, hopefully soon ex-wife, he wanted to be an important person in American history. And he sees this as the way to do it. And I think he saw Donald Trump as the method that he was going to be able to get this done. How can I start a civil war? How can I start a new revolutionary war? I want to be Sam Adams. I want to be Paul Revere. I want to be someone who's in the history books. That's like he's got those narcissistic delusions, much like our former president. And like I said, you would see them. They started showing up at these anti police protests anytime black lives matter was protesting the the newest murder of an unarmed black person by police along the fringes were always these armed tactical gear wearing ar-15 strapped to their chest kyle rittenhouse guys (laughs) 
looking to kill people and you know protect private property that was the oath keepers that's what they were doing and another quote from that report from the uh west point yeah the combating terrorism center report the post 2016 shift in threat priorities for roads and the oath keepers from government tyranny to alleged leftist undermining of americans rights through supposed ideologically motivated insurrection so as you saw what was the focus in the 90s and all through the 2000s and clive and bundy and all that was going against government tyranny in general it didn't matter who it was democrat republican it was just government tyranny right they saw the government as their enemy yes now post back when they were cool (laughs) once trump is the president well the government can't be the enemy anymore because trump is the president so now it became these leftist groups well and i think that really goes to show about how much damage trump actually did as president where we were talking about this when he was getting elected and as he was president where you had so many people on the right saying that oh no his rhetoric's fine he's just joking you're you got your panties in a wad who cares shut up it's fine no like he literally has been just revitalizing and reinvigorating these groups of people and extremists to the point where they feel like they were more emboldened to take action than ever before and not even just against the government but more specific groups of people behest of what president trump said and more recently post trump there have been prominent at anti-mandate anti-mask rallies they're back to the tyrannical overreach of the government because now we've got joe biden as our president so it's okay to hate the government once again this may also may be a good time to throw in the fact that i think we've said this before white supremacists and extremist groups love tucker carlson <laughs> and you're hearing all these same points from tucker carlson which are also invigorating these groups definitely like even more so white replacement things that even trump won't say exactly yeah things our president won't say but man you could say it as the most viewed news correspondent in the entire country I wonder how white supremacists feel about the M&Ms. Um, not sexy enough. <laughs> we know at least well, one of br- them. No, because it, they're too brown. They hate the brown They're M&M. too brown. I mean, yeah. we know that. Right. So let's move on to our next group. We'll kind of skim through. It might be getting a little boring. I'm not sure. But a lot of this stuff applies to both of these groups. There, There's a huge overlap in these two groups. But they are probably the largest overall militia group. And they are the three percenters. You may have briefly heard about this with um, Rebecca Clayfish's husband husband taking a picture and speaking to a three percenters group they are named after the false belief that only three percent of the american colonial population fought in the revolutionary war which is just the best your entire basis is just wrong yeah it's it's (laughs) wrong it's based on like uh, the amount of pensions that were claimed which doesn't add up right and and it was actually probably closer to 12 or 13 percent that fought but either way who cares three percent of the current u.s population is like 10 and a half million people they're not close to that nope and it's not the 1770s anymore we're not using muskets and lining up in formation out in a, a field somewhere that's just stupid the idea that oh, all we need is three percent of the population to have an armed <laughs> uprising against the government i'm sorry and also you didn't fight we didn't fight the the english government in england well i was just gonna say that too which is the whole other thing but so they're not real big on history or reading reality or education or yeah yeah so they began in so they became republicans <laughs> so guess what year this militia group began um i'm gonna guess the bush years <laughs> no 
it's 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 the Obama years, isn't it? It's 2008. Uh. <laughs> On a blog run by Ma- Mike Vanderbo, who had been. He just in- sounds racist. That sounds like a racist. <laughs> I don't know who he is. He could be a swell person. I'm sure he's not because he started this group. But he just sounds like a racist. Immediately just by knowing his name. He's more of a dirtbag than he is a racist, uh, as far as I can tell. But all of these people, nobody says that they're a racist generally. There are some very explicit racist groups, but in these mainstream groups, for the most part, and we're going to get to the Proud Boys, but the three percenters, certainly a lot of the groups are racist. A lot of their members are openly racist. But if you look at, like, what they say in their charters and, it's and kind of a, their main rules they they're not they're not trying to advocate open racism yeah, it's, it's not explicit because it's it's kind of a bad move yeah <laughs> but he had been involved in the militia movements since the 90s he'd started other groups and he's a huge conspiracy theory guy of course he is he really got started propagating conspiracy theories surrounding the oklahoma city bombing because that was done by a member of the militia movement so that can't be right. It's actually a false flag government conspiracy. Oh my god! So he is a, he was a huge part of that. Now and remember, you know, QAnon is a big part of all of this as well. All of these conspiracy theories have been kicking around forever, and QAnon is really similar to a lot of the posse comatitis stuff and this Oklahoma City bombing like nonsense page that I happen to look at from this guy. Well, and why I find it kind of interesting as well is just how with their conspiratorial thinking how readily they're able to dismiss the work of the people who are doing the, the same work they are you know i mean we talked about people in january 6 who were getting arrested for actually participating and fighting in january 6 who f- truly believed in this stuff only to be dismissed by other QAnon believers as false flag operators yeah antifa blm right and it's crazy i mean same thing with the oklahoma city guy i mean good now again i'm not even gonna pretend to even care about any of these people but could you imagine going through all of that and then immediately thinking that oh now i'm not even considered a true patriot anymore because i had to be a false flag because i was it would have gone differently or something and the funny thing is most of the oklahoma city conspiracies involve a john doe number two which was a wanted like a police sketch that was circulated near the beginning of the investigation which was actually the clerk at the truck rental because they they started figuring out who did it based on a piece of the rental truck that was left over after the bombing. They were able to trace the serial number back to the rental place it came from. Okay. And the clerk had misremembered when he was trying to think of what the guys looked like that rented the truck. He misremembered someone from the previous day and gave them a description of that person too. And then later remembered and also like the records show that no, that guy had actually rented the truck before. But because they had this John Doe number two that was never arrested as part of this oh that became this huge conspiracy gotcha even though it's easily explained and they know we know who the guy is all of that it's still a conspiracy in these people's minds because they're nuts interesting now the three percenters are not a traditional organization they're more of a sub ideology of the militia movement what do you mean by that they're not like there's no national three percenter group okay there are a lot of groups that are both 
national groups and local groups that use three percenter names, three percenter logos, ideology, all of that. There's a lot of merchandise, but the three percent, like the Oath Keepers, is a national group that was started by one person. The Proud Boys is a national group started right. by one person, and they're actually organized as a real group. Yes, three percenters are more of like an online message well, group. I that, hate I hate to put it like this. I don't want to even make a- the Antifa. <laughs> well, I was thinking like Antifa or even like Black Lives Matter. Where I mean, yeah, there was like the one group that actually started, you know, a Black Lives Matter organization. But even then, it's so decentralized as a movement. Yeah, so, so three three percenters are more just the collection of anti-government, anti-gun control patriots. Got it. Uh, who congregate on message boards and online groups. The the guy who started it, Mike Vanderbo. That's what he had. He had a message board for for a long time, and that's where he primarily he did speeches and things like that but most of his communication came from his online presence and that's that's really where the idea of this three percenter group came from so like i said there are many three percenter affiliated groups across the u.s and canada i want to outline a few and just show you that they are linked with current politicians okay the three percent security force is the largest group it's a national group headquartered in georgia run by former marine chris hill he's they're like almost like the ku klux klan in that they have weird titles and stuff i, I forgot what his is but he's got like a sword hanging up on his wall it's oh my his t- god yeah it's dumb <laughs> He is a longtime associate of, remember it's from Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Of course. Who has attended multiple events where the group was present. There is the American Patriots Three Percenters, which is, I think all of these are national groups, but another national group, which is currently headquartered out of Pennsylvania. It started in New York, but it has local chapters in many states. The Three Percent United Patriots, a group out of Colorado, which, again, it's out of Colorado. Who do you think is going to be in? Involved has ties to Lauren Bobert, even providing security for her, according to members of the group. And she also has pictures um, with other three percenter groups. Of course. Remember, she's from Rifle, Colorado. Right. There's the three percent Georgia Martyrs, another Georgia group that split off from the three percent security force, <laughs> named because they say they're willing to die for their beliefs. Oh my. They are also tied to Marjorie Taylor Greene, provided security for her and then senator kelly loffler at a second amendment rally in ringgold georgia in 2020 oh my god so this is post insurrection they they provided security for a currently sitting senator who has been accused of helping these groups infiltrate the capitol building and showing them where different offices are you mean congresswoman yes now there have been this more than any other group there have been dozens of instances of law enforcement in pictures and video wearing three percenter patches masks posting images on their social media accounts tattoos which kind of get banned and even flying three percenter flags at their houses so just like the oath keepers their membership is heavily stocked with current and former military and law enforcement members 
all you have to do is search online three percenter law enforcement you'll see it's disgusting i mean i wouldn't recommend it but you can technically if you want to there are so many multiple people involved in the plot to kidnap michigan governor gretchen whitmer had ties to three percenter groups including one in wisconsin if you remember the plan was to take her to wisconsin for trial well that person that owned the land they were going to bring her to here in wisconsin is a member of a wisconsin three percenter group great now super anti-government patriot mike vanderbow founder of this idea of the three percenters lived primarily from disability checks (laughs) near the end of his life that he received from the same federal government he did not recognize the authority of oh my god one of his least favorite things ever that the government did the affordable care act by barack hussein obama but it's government overreach to say that everyone needs health care i want to be able to live my life how i want and i don't want the government telling me that i need health insurance please tell me he dies horrible and alone he spent his final months selling what little he had left on ebay (laughs) to pay for his medical bills related to cancer treatments before his death in 2016 so what you're telling me is that there is a god Well, I mean, as long as you ignore the fact that thousands of Americans die this same death who deserve it a lot less than Mike Vanderbilt and that we should just have free health care. I didn't say he was a moral guy. <laughs> I didn't say there were any ethics involved. I said there just was one. <laughs> but yes, and he, it's, I, I found, I just found a random podcast in which someone was talking to Mike Vanderbilt and he was clearly near the end. Things weren't good. He was laid up in a bed. Okay. And and he was like, yeah, go to eBay, and I got some tents there. And, oh, dear. Uh, I think we got some uh, leftover patches, and, you know, I need to I need to pay some bills, so if you can help me out. And I'm just like, so don't he- you see? Your ideology led you to this. This is what you advocate. But they don't see it. Well, because it's literally a cult. I mean, again, we, we talk about extremist groups and pro-military groups. We need to understand that there are cult dynamics and cult psychologies that go into this thing. People get wrapped up in this just like they do with Jehovah's Witnesses and Scientologists. This is a cult. And people will not escape it because they're actually victims of other people who get, who get pushed onto them. And then all of a sudden they find themselves in these horrible extremist groups. And hopefully, I know we're running long here, but... Uh We'll close it out by talking about the Proud Boys, as they are a little bit different. Stand back, stand by. Than some of the other groups. They don't come from this patriot militia group background. It's very recent, actually. They're more of the internet meme lords of these militia groups. They're founded in 2015, so almost post-Obama, by Gavin McInnes, a English-born Canadian immigrant (laughs) who hates foreigners. I don't know, like, what was his actual intent with the Proud Boys? He says it was just a drinking club that turned into a violent militia. Good God. Everyone, he had a show. So he is, well, he's the former Vice Magazine co-founder and still current alt-right content creator he's burned through a bunch of shows he's made some just terrible racist sexist content it's really bad he's one of the 
oh, it's all just jokes. It's all. Well, he even had that, um, like having conversations, whatever show for a little while too, where he actually tried to get real people to come and talk about things they disagreed with. He's had a lot of different shows. He tried to be like that whole like weird centrist thing. He keeps trying to make stuff stick. Well, when you make a literal terrorist organization, (laughs) it's kind of hard. So much more than the other groups, the Proud Boys are explicitly sexist and racist. Of course, they'll still deny it. You know, I only do Nazi salutes and white power hand gestures for the lulls. Don't get so triggered, my dude. And they blame the media for their high rate of known neo-Nazi and white supremacist members. Well, you tell everyone we're a racist organization, so of course all the racists they're going to join. And we just let them in. (laughs) And we feed into their racist beliefs. Right. (laughs) Because it's funny, bro. Unlike the other militia groups, they do not specifically target military and law enforcement, instead primarily attracting disaffected, angry young white men who feel that they are being unfairly persecuted by social justice movements. Oh, it's hard these days. The hardest thing, the most oppressed minority is a cis straight white male. I can't, be, I can't even be white anymore, man. The only group you can still be racist towards. Those are primarily the members of the Proud Boys. They are very prominent at Trump rallies, uh, stating that they are there to be armed bodyguards for Donald Trump. I mean, you'll see this crap all over. They literally have like shoulder pads and everything. Helmets, the, the works. The group has chapters across North America and beyond, including the UK and Australia. They say they have an initiation process that has four stages and includes hazing, like any frat. Say, of course. Because they're all frat dudes. The first stage no, is... The, a, no, they're the frat losers. That's the <laughs> worst part. They're frat dudes, but they're the losers who got rejected by all the frat dudes. So they're like frat boy wannabes, which is the worst type of person. Their favorite is the hazing, and everything else is just secondary. Right. The first stage is a loyalty oath on the order of, and uh, there's so many videos of people saying this garbage, I'm a proud Western chauvinist oh god i refuse to apologize for creating the modern world that's not horribly racist what western chauvinist they've created the modern world no other group contributed to modern society except for men from the western world aka white men yep the second is getting punched until the person recites pop culture trivia such as the names of five breakfast cereals So as your buddies are punching you, you have to say five serial names. Okay. They are serious adults, ladies and gentlemen. The third is getting a tattoo and agreeing not to masturbate. Okay. I cannot make this stuff up. And the fourth is getting into a major fight for the cause. Not sure what counts as a major fight. Can it be online? Can you get into like a scuffle on the old uh, YouTube message boards, (laughs) the YouTube comments? Does that count? It's all fun and games, right? Well... Proud Boy member Jason Kessler was an organizer of the Unite the Right rally at Charlottesville. Oh, dear. In 2018, around a dozen Proud Boys violently attacked four Antifa activists who were protesting a speech by McGinnis at Manhattan's Metropolitan Republican Club. Well, that also sounds gross. The incident was captured on video, leading to the banning of the group on Facebook and Instagram, and McGinnis leaving the group he found 
founded shortly after. Now, the real story behind that is he is a fairly wealthy guy, again, co-founded Vice Magazine, living in New York in a fancy neighborhood. Once his neighbors found out who was living there, they started a campaign of putting signs on their lawns saying, like, this is no place for hate. Uh, Explicitly against him. Yeah, targeting him uh, and his wife, who is Native American and describes herself as a liberal Democrat, was very upset about this. Her friends stopped talking to her. She got into very vocal arguments with some of her neighbors and McGinnis complained on his show about this that all of his uh, Hollywood friends stopped talking to him because he's the member of a, a hateful terrorist organization. And you can Why are we such dicks about it? Oh my god. <laughs> and you can only claim so much that, no, it's not true, it's all just media hype. But once this incident happened and you have this clear video evidence of a violent assault in the streets by this group while he's talking, like, these are people that are in his close circle. It's at a speech he's giving. Yep. He just couldn't deny it anymore. What can you say? You can't just say, oh, it's all media hype. We don't, we never do anything. That's really the reason why he left the group after that incident. Two of the, the members were sentenced to four years in prison for their role in the assault. Ten more were indicted, generally lesser charges. McGinnis was replaced by Enrique Terrio, a Cuban-American, who of course gives them a little extra cover for all of the racism accusations. Uh, we have a friend who's a minority. He's right here, Enrique. <laughs> The group has strong ties to Trump political consultant and failed Batman villain, Roger Stone. Look up any picture of him to get that joke. There is even a video showing Stone reciting the Proud Boy Oath. Well, of course. Of course, he claims that he's not linked to that group, even despite all of that. Well, and again, he's far worse than Proud Boys anyway. And of course, as you referenced earlier, during the 2020 presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, after being challenged to denounce white supremacist and militia groups, and Joe Biden interdicting in uh, when Trump was like, well, give me a name, give me a name, Joe Biden said the Proud Boys. Trump's response was, Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about about Antifa and the left because this is not a right-wing problem. Strong denunciation of militia violence by the then-president, Donald Trump. And again, feeding directly into their propaganda. Well, the real problem is Antifa and the left. They're the real violent culprits. It's not the right-wing militia groups. So this led, of course, to an immediate increase in Proud Boy social media membership and engagement, which they're making money off of, as well as a five-fold increase in membership applications, according to Tario. So directly from Donald Trump's basically endorsement. I mean, he was told to denounce them. He essentially endorsed them and, and led to them becoming more popular. Now, as we're getting closer to their involvement in January 6th, on December 12th, 2020, members of the Proud Boys targeted Ashbury United Methodist Church, the oldest historically black church in Washington, D.C., after pro-Trump protests earlier that day. So they spent the day having pro-Trump protests, and that night they basically went out and terrorized this town. They flashed white supremacist hand signs and tore down and burned a Black Lives Matter sign that had been raised by the church. 
Four other churches were vandalized during the violent riot. There were stabbings and fights. Enrique Torrio claimed responsibility for the incident. He said that he burned the the Black Lives Matter banner, which police have designated a hate crime. Makes sense. Torrio was arrested on January 3rd. 4th 2021 after arriving in washington dc during the arrest police found illegal high capacity ammo magazines in his car i wonder what that was for what event that would be coming up very shortly after january 4th 2021 that he would have a lot of ammunition with him what kind of punishment what kind of sentencing might you expect from this i mean at least what six seven years Uh, he was released on january 14th 2022 after serving just over four months in jail of course how would someone in that position only get four months in jail and he didn't even serve his entire because this is america well there might be more to it oh it's because he's not white (laughs) it was he gets a lesser sentence because he's not white is that what it is oh there's a twist coming there's an m night Shyamalan twist he was dead the whole time (laughs) it was revealed in late january 2021 that tario has worked as an informant for federal and local law enforcement oh tario has denied these statements despite court transcripts showing his own lawyer citing his cooperation with officials Uh, his response to that i don't recall any of this and for the record in legal speak i don't recall is the way of trying to get out of not answering any questions (laughs) so you literally say i don't recall when you are going to get put on the spot so he wasn't at the capitol on january 6th because he was arrested on january 4th transporting high capacity magazines in his car but after january 6th the violent terrorist attack more than 36 individuals identified by federal authorities as members of the proud boys have been charged including four members with leadership positions. now that and there's a lot of splintering within the group over january 6th and if it was a victory if it was something they shouldn't have been involved with there's tons of infighting there it's very unclear what tario's involvement with the group is at this point after it was made public that he was uh, an fbi informant (laughs) there's uh, parts that are denouncing him other parts of the group that still believe that he's in charge it's kind of a mess at the moment but that's where we stand with the three militia groups that were the most prominent at the violent terrorist attack of january 6 2021 so i want to get something straight things are all in disarray these are all antifa members yeah <laughs> Th- these are, things are all in disarray and we're about to elect the first black woman to the supreme court and potentially have kamala harris run for president no well, that'll galvanize everyone back <laughs> together again nicely so get ready round two so hopefully that you found that helpful if your friends tell you oh i think it was really a deep state false flag operation i think all the people at the capitol were really antifa they're really black lives matter no the people like pushing their way through the front and there's video is certainly the, there's plenty the, of video you know if you look at the people that are really being the most aggressive during the january 6th attack they're the people with 
odd military helmets and yep. weird patches and and all this paraphernalia they're from this militia movement this is what they were waiting they've always wanted to overthrow the federal government that's been their dream in life they forever want, they want to play warrior they want to play saving private ryan they want to spark a revolutionary war and then they can kill all the minorities well, saying, and for what <laughs> they have no idea well they want to take over the government and then they want to do kick what out, they want to well if you follow the turner diaries step two is kill all the minorities you take over the federal government then you kill all the minorities and then step three is profit perfect and that's what they want they want to trigger the war they're literally the underpants gnomes of well except they have a step two it's not question mark question mark it's it's kill all the minorities okay so they need a step like intermittent (laughs) step between two and three then so that's the, those are the people involved in January 6th. It's not a false flag. It's not the FBI, except if you count Terrio. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Black Lives Matter. It, it is these people. These people were always there. They're the people in the compounds. The only thing that I will say that I'm surprised about in all of this, if you look at Ruby Ridge, if you look at the, the Bundys, if you look at the, the other rancher in Oregon, usually trying to arrest any of these people or in any way assert like dominance or control yeah. or like any kind of government i guess control any kind of uh, like authority authority yes uh, thank you any kind of government authority over these people results in armed conflict i am amazed that in arresting all of these people from these different groups that you didn't hear about any standoffs any kind of violent situations kind of makes you wonder you know how much true believers the leadership of these groups are sure because as we talked about last time though i i do think i think we said that uh Rhodes was not the oath keeper leader was not at the capitol on january 6th i think there is some photographic and uh evidence location evidence from his phone that he was there he was outside dc he was well or on we- the capitol grounds sure but he did not enter the building he has other people do that i think they know they don't want to die for their cause they want to make money for their cause it's everybody that joins up that wants to die for the cause and they're willing to let them do it because they want to be the person in the history book afterward right they don't want to be the guy that gets shot during the first fight of the revolutionary war they they want to be the general not the infantryman i was literally just gonna say that and again, I think a good way of wrapping this up is this is definitely on the rise and these movements are on the rise and you can't just treat them like they're just a bunch of crazy people. I mean, yes, they are a bunch of crazy people, but you have to remember that these are not just extremist groups. They are literally cults and you have to understand that a lot of people who get sucked into them are literally victims. So when we talk about things like the pipeline to extremism, when we talk about issues with people like Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, Joe Rogan, we talked about Joe Rogan earlier today, they literally push people in the direction because they keep talking about the woke, the left, the radical left extremists, Antifa over and over again to the point where people feel like they have nowhere else to go. Like Jason said, they have lost their iron grip on America's power and they feel like they need to do something about it. They are a 
protected youth, usually white people, usually white men, and they need to be treated like victims of a cult when talking about these types of issues, not as much as soldiers or even revolutionaries. They are cult victims. And I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways we should have from this whole episode is that they will never get what they want, but they're just going to hurt themselves and hurt others for nothing. And as we leave you today, a little bit of housekeeping, we are going to go on hiatus for a little while. Our, as you can see, if if you're one of the four people that have been paying attention to our schedule, we've been kind of erratic recently as uh, both of our lives have been... School's been hard, man. School's <laughs> been really hard. Very hectic. And we are going to take some time off. So I'm not sure when we are going to speak with you all next, but we gave you an extra long episode here. I'm going to have a hell of a time editing all of this, but I rambled on forever. I am sorry, as always, with all of our episodes. <laughs> that you had to listen to that but you're gonna get a bit of a break now so uh until we record again we say good night thank you for listening we hope to see you in the next episode you can find us on facebook and twitter at thinkpropod you can email us at thinkpropod at gmail.com and remember when in doubt think progressively Oh, never, never mind then. I was just talking to you, not oh. to the audience. Okay, I get it now. I don't know why I'm whispering. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> the first stage is an oil tea loaf. Say that again. <laughs> oil tea loaf. Oil tea loaf. Good night. Good night. Good night. I can't get that high. That's not what you said the other week. Ha! Ha! <laughs>